and welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. In this episode, Rob DeBell, Heart Square's Managing Director, had a chat with Ed Wilkinson, the Digital Services Director at IE Brand and Digital. As you will hear, they discussed all things brand and digital, from the importance of user-centric design to the tension between data projection and personalization. So without further ado, we'll get straight into the episode. I hope you enjoy. So we're delighted to have Ed Wilkinson from IE Digital here today um, to have a chat uh, about the work that they do and the sector they work within. Um, before we start, Ed, you won't necessarily be familiar to all of our audience. So do you want to just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and to IE Design? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Uh, so Ed Wilkinson, um, I am IE Digital's uh, Digital Services Director. Um, IE is actually the digital and a brand arm, so IE Brand and Digital. Uh, and we are an agency based in the Jewelry Quarter in Birmingham. We've been around for almost 30 years, I think it's 27 or 28 years. Um, and yeah, we work predominantly, almost exclusively, in fact, uh, in the charity health and education sectors. Uh, and that's a sort of a conscious focus that we that was sort of set out by our founder yeah almost 30 years ago to work with what we call values driven clients to to make a difference um so yeah that's that's where we're we're happiest that's where we continue to have yeah to over 99 percent of all of our clients fit into that space we don't market to anybody else uh, we occasionally pick up a commercial client or two uh, but they're very very few and far between these days yeah nice that's it yeah that's exactly the same as us actually we um we've set up we do a lot started in membership do a lot more now in uh, with charity fundraisers campaign groups arts and heritage etc but yeah, yeah i would literally describe it the same you know we only market mm. to we only promote our services to the sector yeah very, absolutely yeah very and we, specific. We, it, it's funny you mentioned membership because membership is is almost like a an adopted fourth sector um because obviously you get membership organizations for just about everything just as you get charities for just about everything um so it's not a sector as such it's obviously a type of organization but we we first started working um with a with a sector skills council uh some oh, yeah. i don't know 15 plus years ago and ever since then uh we've sort of had other membership member-led or volunteer-led organizations approach us um obviously all, all having sort of similar similar challenges um and we've been able to obviously find commonalities between what we did for one with what we did another uh, and gradually sort of grow a, a portfolio of membership clients which wasn't an intentional thing it just sort of happened okay. organically um because yeah they share a lot of the same challenges they need to connect with their members they need to provide services to their members it needs to be streamlined they've often got a lot of a lot of systems in the back end lots and lots of processes around membership and renewals and the different things that they provide for members um so it's kind of if there was a fourth one ahead of yeah, yeah uh, charity health and education it would it would be membership um and that continues to be a really strong area of business for us yeah yeah interesting because it like you say it does membership can stray can't it you know you people are members yeah, of, of gyms and golf clubs and whatever lots of commercial yeah. you know yeah. Hey, yeah amazon prime i don't think you know we'd call them a non-profit right no <laughs> no we definitely you know, i think jeff bezos but yeah, yeah not not quite what i would uh yeah categorize yeah. as a non-profit but non, uh, non-taxpayer maybe but that's not, not quite the same. <laughs> no absolutely yeah oh don't get me started on you, that. yeah, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, it's um, mainly so lots of professional associations. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh, and yeah, providers of sort of CPD and training into various different sectors um, yeah, tend to be the kinds of membership organisations that we work for. Yeah, 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 yeah. makes sense. Um, and similar to us. So cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, good to have that bit of background. I guess, I mean, in a similar way, when we talk about kind of the range of organisations that you have worked with and have found yourself working with, it's mm. pro- I think from my perspective, it seems to be the same in terms of the very the range of services you provide and the range of kind of areas where you work with those clients. You know, we could talk about, uh, design thinking, UX, personalization, mm-hmm. we could go off about apps and websites, kind of, there is almost a kind of where do you start? Because I guess, you know, there's, well, you definitely offer services around that whole group. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely do. So I think our our brand heritage, if you like, started off as as, as pure brand and then picked up a, okay. a digital a digital arm, if you like, <laughs> um, around about 20 or so years ago. Um, so we I would say the way we have always viewed projects and the way that the, the, the sort of the sector um, is is increasingly viewing projects is in a more holistic sense. Um, so we we tend to say things like uh, we help we help organisations or we help charities to solve um, uh, brand and communication challenges, right? Um, okay. And actually, the solution to that could could be anything. Right. So it could be changes to your brand tone of voice, could be changes to your visual identity. It might be they need to do some market research to understand uh, who your audiences are and what makes them tick, um, why they seek you out and all those kinds of things. Um, And we then look to solve that challenge through brand deliverables and digital deliverables. So obviously I I wear a digital hat and Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been sort of the, the digital guy. I come from a background of web development have sort of moved on <clears throat> pardon me from there so clients come to us more often than not with an overarching problem um, and they're looking to us to say okay well what are the best tools for us to use <laughs> to solve this this problem so how, how can I okay. engage with my members but how can I grow my membership how can we improve member retention I've given given a bunch of examples of, of membership organizations but obviously charity you've got fundraising challenges you've got recruitment volunteering challenges you've yeah, got yeah. yeah all sorts of different things sometimes just trying to yeah um uh, change people's perceptions of you so you know people think of us as this old organization that you know is stuck in its roots and this that and the other you know we want to reinvent ourselves how how can we do that how can we have people come to our website or yeah call us up or download our app and and it sort of is a thought you knew well think again you know we're, you know this yeah, is who we yeah, really yeah. Are. so really lifting that that mask up and that's very much a sort of a joint brand and digital challenge um and i think uh we actually did a, a talk it was some some years ago now pre-pandemic about around brand experiences so the mm-hmm. obviously the brand agencies talk a lot about brand experiences you know it's the it's the sum total of a person's interactions with you and what they what they take away is what they think of you and actually more now than ever before um brand experiences are digital experiences the, the two are sort of permanently intertwined because you've got digital just permeates every corner of of modern life so it's yeah, impossible to separate the two so so where sort of five ten years ago someone might have come to us and said i need a crm integration or my website's old i think i should make a new one it looks a bit dated um mm. nowadays it, it's far it's a far more sort of holistic challenge um and the sort of the interplay between all these different elements some of which are digital and some of which aren't um is sort of key to to driving the success um and solving whatever challenge 
um, that might be. Um, so yeah, it's it's um it's a really interesting time to to be in this line of work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like you say, I mean, and it's one of the things, it's almost kind of one of the characteristics of the sector we talk, we think, you know, which is that it's a people-based sector, isn't it? It's all about relationships, Absolutely. it's all about people. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, potentially um, except, additionally impacted by the pandemic, you know, the move away from challenge events, you know, a lot of that mm-hmm. in-person stuff mm-hmm. obviously had to get paused and suspended. Yeah. So almost the move to digital, to be in, you talked about, you know, brand experience being digital, and I get that completely. Mm. That was probably the third sector was probably behind the private yeah. sector at that yeah. in 1919. But mm. I think I've seen a real kind of acceleration through the sector in the last mm. two years. Um, and yeah, like you say, now people understanding that mm. it's interesting. You say it's a combination of brand and digital, yeah, yeah. which then changes yeah. that experience because again, the sector is all about purpose, cause, and the why, isn't it? So. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're you're saying? You're you're needing to use a range of um, tactics and strategies. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would say that. Yeah, uh, projects tend to come to us less well formed. They tend to be more, not necessarily aspirational, but it tends to be you know a, a vision, a target audience, a strategy, um, a set of objectives, an idea of what success looks like, uh, and that drives the creation of new digital services amended brand messaging, a new look and feel, different approach to social, you know, utilizing um, things like, you know, new technologies like chatbots, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's all driven um, from sort of an organizational objective or an established set of audiences uh, or a set of audiences needs and a better understanding of their situation. So user-centric design um, is, yeah, to say it's a recent trend would be nonsense it's not a recent trend but it continues to be i would say the driving force um that is that is pushing um the sector forwards uh, a need to understand audiences and design experiences be they online or offline um that speak to them meet yeah. those needs um and really really deliver value because that's what that's what users expect you know you, you you're right about the the pandemic really putting a putting a bomb onto everyone effectively yeah, yeah. it's really forced everyone's hand and said okay well okay look everyone we used to deliver this face-to-face it might be service delivery or training or whatever we can't um and then there was a sort of a period we found um that was you know i guess somewhere between you know april and june 2020 mm-hmm. when you know everyone was kind of still naively thinking hey three weeks it'll you know it'll be gone, yeah, it'll be gone yeah. by summer we'll be grand <laughs> um, and of course yeah yeah indeed. and of course that didn't happen. Um, and then pretty soon after that period of, okay, you know, it's sunk in, this is, this is going to be around for a while. We need to continue doing what we were doing before. Um, so how on earth do we do that? So things sort of went quiet for a bit and then actually things picked back up and particularly being involved in digital, obviously you've got the likes of Zoom, you know, they <laughs> saw, I don't know what the percentage increase is, but, you know, everyone suddenly thought, my goodness, we still need to work. So how do we do it without being face to face? And and charities and membership organizations did similar things. And they said, actually, this event, this training that is X percentage of our income, you know, that we rely upon um, to stay functioning um, for our financial stability. You know, how do we do it now? (laughs) Uh, And how could we get that up and running as as soon as possible? And, And that was sort of the initial need. And now we're seeing actually now that people can go back to being face to face that's not the be all and end all. So there's this real hybrid approach, people saying, well, actually this, 
this worked really, really well. And it saved us time here and it saved us money there. And actually people reported back that actually that training was better than the training they got face to face because we had these breakout rooms and it was less clunky or, you know, people didn't have think- to travel or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think what it forced people to do was to kind of rethink, actually reimagine what their training course had looked like, because you couldn't, we saw some people who tried to just lift and shift, just like, here's our course material, we'll deliver that through Zoom. And frankly, it fails, right? It fails dismally, because the whole model just doesn't work. Um, But actually, yeah, yeah, it it, it enforced a bit of innovation, it enforced Mm -hmm. people to revisit the courses they'd you know sculpted five years previous. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I absolutely agree with you, I think they then saw through that first year that this was really successful mm. and I don't know it felt like coming into the second year of the pandemic that um that people had suddenly had a, a little bit of room to think and to breathe a bit and started to get really creative I think in the second like in yeah. the second year and yeah, I think I, yeah sorry go on no no, no I was going to say I was going to say I completely agree with that um I think yeah it was there was a sort of a survival aspect to it yeah. initially um and then it and then it turned into actually there are there are possibilities here um yeah. to do things better uh, and now that we've actually cracked the whole the platform shift effectively that sort of rudimentary it's not here anymore it's there and how is that different and how do we make it work there is the whole how do we make it better um and and this sort of again it ties into the whole focus on on user experience because i would say something it has done for the sector um is put into focus the need for uh, back and forth, for conversation, for interaction on anything on the web or anything, anything digital, really, Um, because it is it was it was getting to that point before the pandemic where actually, you know, users expect more than a brochure website. Mm. They don't want to read a online PDF. You know, it's a website. It can do more than that and they expect more. But since everybody's got used to interacting digitally, um, they are now expecting there's a level of interaction and dialogues sort of back and forth between organization and service user or potential service user or supporter or whoever it is or advocate um, that is that is sort of expected now. Um, yeah. And people are striving to make that experience better, to closen their relationships with their users. Yeah. And I think it is that journey, isn't it? So like you say, pre not you know, not literally up to 2019, but over mm. the last 10 years or whatever, you know, lots mm. of lots of push, you know, the digital platforms yeah. just push stuff out there, use it to get your message wider and all that kind yeah. of stuff, but very kind of one way, really. Development of some portals and a bit of interactivity, but then the interactivity was kind of between the end user support a member, whoever it was, and the platform almost. Mm. Uh, and then actually it became that, that last step change has then been actually interact with us with us as an organization yeah. not just yeah. with our assets you know um yeah. and yeah. that's interesting yeah to he hear you describe it that way because that makes sense actually when you think about it isn't it because that's mm. what was happening in you know in our everyday lives therefore that's what we expect in our work lives right yeah. um yeah, and in yeah. our you know in our attachment to the calls and yeah. we want to talk about the good things we're doing yeah mm-hmm. uh as a supporter you know as a supporter of a charity or whatever you want to ha- not just be yeah, yeah, not just be on, yeah. on online. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean um, it's things like just think of a few tangible examples. Um you mentioned supporters. Uh, it's things like so this is obviously in, in the charity space where sure. previously you would have um a very you would have a sort of a, a curated, you might, you know, have a curated list of case studies, testimonials, whatever, success stories, you know, so-and-so did this fundraiser, they did this, they did that. Um, and that was and more and more that started moving towards a model where actually people set up 
you know, their own fundraisers and they are featured based on what the community thinks. Um, and people can go in and see those successes and they can create one that looks like that. So everything's just a bit more fluid, a bit more uh, interactive and it's less curated by the overarching organization and actually the, the task becomes how do we create a space and start a dialogue with our users such that one it can be continued but two it can actually grow and develop and become dialogue between supporters between volunteers yeah between fundraisers um between whoever it might might be um, and that's 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 a real challenge um but it's something that you sort of see emerging and it's something that i.e help quite often at the sort of the beginning stages of because you can't you can't go from not doing that at all in your history to yep. suddenly having a bustling <laughs> hub of activity that supports itself and all the users interact you know that, that doesn't happen overnight it takes real strategic investment in in time and money um to sort of seed what needs to be seeded so that those kinds of things start to emerge yeah and it really is a disruptive model isn't it because i like say prior you know in the, in the few years before whatever digital used as a way to get your support you know get your message out to your supporters yeah. but then you bring yeah. them down to the challenge event and that's where they do the networking and the interaction between yeah. themselves yeah. what you had to do was to bring them into an online space like you say where they could have mm. that same because you, you know you, it's the encouragement it's the it's the peer motivation it's all of that stuff isn't mm. it which yeah. is what the whole yeah third sector community is all about yeah. you come together around common goals and yeah, you want to share it yeah and because of that drive and that need it is it has prompted different sort of tools and platforms to pop up you know where spaces are literally visualized and there are sort of more collab- i mean there are always collaborative platforms around but you know sure. they used to used to be back in the day it was like i want I want my members to speak to each other i want a forum and we <laughs> yeah. you know we have to speak say to discussion clients, board, you, yeah. you can't just make a forum and expect people to talk to each other it doesn't it doesn't work like that you know um and nowadays you get more and more tools that make it easier for people to be comfortable uh, interacting starting conversations continuing them in a digital space um that previously was something that you know the the, the magic only sort of really happened um offline um mm. so yeah it's been it's been great to see and it's been a really interesting um yeah last sort of yeah what two and a half years or so yeah yeah it must have been an interesting I, I kind of loop back to almost one of my earlier questions but something you said there which which i think is a really positive um aspect of the change and um, the change you're helping to drive which is it sounds to me like people where, where we, there's always a temptation to come to you and say this is what i need from you yeah, yeah. whereas now they're kind of and I, I think there's probably a piece where they've got more confidence in digital being able to deliver for them because of what they had to go through and mm. if i've been if i've heard you correctly you've based people are more likely now to come to you and say this is our challenge what sh how can you help us solve it as opposed yeah. to this is the yeah. almost like don't tell you the solution anymore they, they yeah. tell you the problem that's a yeah. good thing right it is it is a really good thing i think it's it's a good thing for an organization like us because we are um we're, pro we're problem solvers you know, uh, it's 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 as simple as that. Um, we we don't we don't like overly prescriptive specifications. Obviously, if someone's mm -hmm. gone out and they've done their research, and they you know, because sometimes you know, charities will they'll choose their research partner, and they'll have this, and they'll have their strategy, and they'll have this all put together, and then they'll be looking for an implementation partner. But obviously, all that thinking okay. has has happened. So sometimes that happens. Um, but quite often, as I said, yeah, clients will come to us with with a need, sometimes even an idea. You know, sometimes okay. you know you're talking not quite back of a fag packet, but you know, single sheet of A4. You know, I really think this 
this could work um, and we've had clients come to us with that and we often work with them to obviously flesh that out um, and then ultimately hopefully deliver it but also to apply for funding so we work with our clients um, we had some that applied and were successful for the um, national lottery um, uh, tech for good grant oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. and they had a, an idea said actually we've been trying to do this for ages we know there's something in there we know the demand for something of this shape um, some kind of, sort of facilitation platform um, is there, but we've never been able to quite specify it. And actually, we we want to make this happen. And so we can work with clients like that to produce a funding bid, to, to put some meat on the bones, um, turn it into something a little bit more more tangible um, that then results in a project that then results in some <coughs> build and then yeah, yeah. ultimately plugs plugs the gap that they were looking to plug, but they weren't quite sure what shape it was. Um, yeah well that's great isn't it because that's when they're really you know leveraging you know, benefiting from your experience you know like you say mm. you've been working in the sector for years in this space mm. across brand and digital so they can i guess you can help them kind of actually put that coherent case together yeah 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 like you say turn their idea into something that mm. is viable enough yeah the proposition is viable enough that they can get the funding for it that's kind of where you've got them to isn't yeah. it? yeah yeah exactly yeah and we've done that a couple of times i think the the whole how much do you specify something before you approach an agency partner um it, it very much depends on the nature of the relationship that you want from from a partner and um, mm. whether you want sort of a more traditional supplier um client relationship uh which is more of a you know specify everything up front and then hand it over for delivery or whether you're really looking for a partnership to to take on a challenge as a shared endeavor you know and and yeah. your success is intertwined um and I, you know so so you're both working together um towards a common cause and sometimes we get clients who think they want the former so they have something well specified um and, and we you know we, we call ourselves a challenging friend okay. uh, we're, yeah, we're yeah. always honest yeah um sometimes to the point of shooting ourselves in the foot to say actually you you know we're not right for you if you want to actually do it like this it's not it's you know it's just not it's not right you know if you want my advice then it's it's this or maybe you should think about doing that um and and sometimes clients it's you know it makes them stop and think and they think mm. well actually that's that's interesting you mentioned that because i had that gut feeling all along or we've invested you know because there's the sort of um the sunk cost fallacy plays into this a lot <laughs> where you, where you spent a lot of time either internally and there's all right oh you know with an external party and there's been a lot of pain perhaps you've had to drag people through a process and you've built this specification and then suddenly someone comes along and says i know this isn't what you want to hear but i'm not sure this is a good use of money um you know have you considered this that and the other um so it it, it can be it can be a really interesting sort of initial initial calls that i have with clients um to talk to talk about stuff like this um yeah. but ultimately we're here to give the best advice we can based on the information that we've got um kind of regardless yeah. about whether you know of whether we're working with the client or not um yeah and yeah. i think that kind of honest appraisal of, of what they've come to you with is you know it is good all around i'm sure as you say um there may be occasions where then yeah. a, a client has said okay you're, you're not for us but yeah. probably you're yeah. equally saying you won't you know to the client you won't get the best out of us if you want to be that prescriptive yeah. just yeah. give us this you know just build it for us yeah don't mm. don't tell us whether it's right or wrong. just build it that's yeah. actually that's not a good project for you to get involved in really is no it? and there, there are agencies out there that that would be a dream project for them 
you know yeah. so yeah you know it's horses for courses really you know um so we're, we're always interested in that partnership and that match between like, what someone's looking for in an agency and what we can provide because ultimately it's it's not going to be a comfortable relationship if there's a mismatch there whichever way around it is um it's just not you're not going to get the best um result so yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and i can tell just from you know from from the conversation we've been having today the passion you've got for actually being able to it's about adding value isn't it like you say again if you just build what they'd ask you yeah. to build then in the nicest sense yeah. lots of people can queue up and do that yeah but yeah. you want to for you to feel successful i can see you know mm-hmm. for you to feel successful you want to know that you've added something to that yeah you brought Absolutely. more to the brought more yeah. to the party yeah, yeah yeah it's the it's the sort of the the architect rather than the builder kind of you know yeah um and yeah, we yeah. we obviously we 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 work with our clients so they are they're the subject matter experts they're the experts in their space um and we we try and get all the information that we need from them and and just guide and support and work with them to create something that that really delivers against what they're trying to do um and it is you, you can't do it without a partnership you know I, I can't i can't talk to a client however many times get all the information and then go from start to finish and produce the best thing that hits yeah. the mark it's always it's so collaborative all the way through the project yeah. um it's yeah. got to be isn't it and and, yeah. and it's got to be you've got to build the trust first obviously you know to, yeah. to get to that but i think yeah. at that point where where your client partner is then trusting you know, basically trusting you to say this is the tool you know or these mm-hmm. are the range of tools that you want to yeah. be using we talked earlier didn't we like before we actually kind of start recording about you know should we talk about digital experience should we talk about design thinking should we talk about personalization and it's like yeah. actually that doesn't make sense to talk about it as topic 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 does it yeah. let's talk about yeah. the world that you you operate in yeah um, yeah and, and, and those and, those sort of different those different approaches those different techniques um you know that they're, they're more and less appropriate to, to different to different projects and i i think I think if I was to say there's been a sort of one direction of of travel fairly consistently since I I started in my in my sort of current role, which I've probably been in for I don't know seven years or something like that. So it's a while. Um, there's been there's been an increased willingness, sort of year on year, to forge an, an initial trusting relationship based on an overall sense of what needs to be achieved um, yeah. an end goal uh, and then work together towards that solution because I think the further back I think you know going back in time it, it, it got more you know it was more and more common to have a you know no it needs to it needs to be this and it needs to do that and it needs to do that and of course there's still a healthy dollop of that because you know sometimes you just know you know well, of course, it's going to need to do this because otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be a viable, you know, system if it didn't do that. Um, so you still have that, but it, it, it's more and more a case of I'm looking for, you know, a, a trust-based relationship with an agency who is going to be in my corner giving me really good advice, um, and obviously who's you know, got the people in the room or, or they outsource <clears throat> it, you know, different models um, yeah. to deliver what we need to get delivered. Um, so which is really nice because that is that's how we've always worked so so I think we're, we're probably we are we're working with more clients better than we ever have done before because actually the the sector has has moved more towards how we've always sort of sought to do things um, okay. in the first place uh, which was actually I mean our our, our um, so IE brand and IE digital are our trading names of IE design consultancy which is our company name registered uh, company name and okay. the word consultancy is in there, which is really important because that is actually fundamentally who we who we are. We are a, we don't take specs and build things, um, and we don't just do artwork and design things based on yeah. guidelines. We you know we consult 
you know that, that's foundational to what we do yeah 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 no and i think and i think the point you made earlier actually that uh or the uh, uh analogy of you're an architect not a builder i think that's mm -hmm. absolutely spot on isn't it? Um, yeah. and like you say yeah that's that's the consultancy arm so oh, mm -hmm. fantastic um i guess probably to, to I'm conscious of time and stuff so just kind of mm. move us forward a little bit i guess the only other or the other topic we we're going to talk a little bit about was kind of upcoming trends i know it's a you know it's kind of a, a a question that's always out there you know what's next what's next everyone wants to know but what yeah. sort of stuff trends do you see in the sector around mm -hmm. yeah around digital platforms i guess yeah so i mean and we've already spoken about it this and the, the blanket term for it is user experience so it, it is okay. it continues to be a trend that at the moment it shows no signs of slowing down um mainly because it makes complete sense <laughs> and has always <laughs> yeah. made complete sense so <laughs> things like design thinking um uh, are just you know it's just a different it's a different way of it's a different design you know approach to UX fundamentally it's still you're thinking about user experience that's what you're prioritizing it's user-centric okay. design you're saying who are my users what do they need what situations are they are they in what problems are they trying to solve what questions have they got that we can answer how can we build something that works for our users and okay. design thinking is just you know a a way of you know, it's it's an approach which um, it, it tends to. I mean, the idea is that it will, um, you know, lead to sort of more innovative ways of thinking about and doing things. So more creative solutions, um, because it starts with this sort of this empathy piece where you're looking to really put yourself in your users' shoes. But all okay. of them are, you know, they're all based on a fundamental uh, understanding about users, and then saying, well, okay, well. How do we define something that works for them? And then how do we then iterate on that? So you show it to them, see what they think. Does it work? No, go back, do something new, change something. They come back yeah. and say, you know, so it's this constant sort of iterative process, which has been around for a long time. It's nothing, nothing new. Um, but design thinking is just a, a sort of a new, a new spin um, and a new sort of, sort of a, a slightly different focus on how to, how to do that. So, so okay. UX will remain. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it, it, yeah. it will remain sort of the most important aspect um, of of digital uh, digital design uh, going forward. So, so that's that's the sort of the the headline, if you like. But then there are lots of things that sit beneath that. Things like personalization, okay. um, things like uh, machine learning, uh, chatbots, big data, uh, all of these kinds of things. Um, that actually they're all they're all parts of designing. A user experience yeah so yeah um yeah personalization is just a catch-all way of saying we gather data and based on the data we've got we do intelligent <laughs> things that make it look like or actually tailored to who you are or the segment that we have put you in so you know we all know the classic amazon you know you bought this people like Therefore, people who yeah. bought that also bought you know that, and so that's the base level kind of thing um so personalization is a is a big deal um but it's it, it, we're in a really interesting situation at the moment because as i said before sort of users they expect more yeah so mm -hmm. people want convenience you know in the developed world everything is all about getting more and more more and yeah. more convenient you know how more much quick more quickly can i do it yeah. how much less time can i spend doing something um but actually um there's been you know data protection and and people's personal data has really really come into focus in recent years and more so than ever before people are concerned and they don't want to give out their personal data but of course you can't create a personalized experience <laughs> without don't. capturing people's personal data i mean if you do it's going to be a very 
you know surface level you know you know it's yeah, not going to yeah. be that really deep oh this this thing knows me so there, there's a real tension between those two things between users not wanting to hand over their data and if they do wanting to know exactly how it's being stored how it's being used where it's going all of those kinds of things and users also wanting a highly personalized experience so that they can you know discover products services things that they didn't realize were there that are really valuable to them or that they really like um yeah. you know all, all of those kinds of things um and the 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 key the key to that um is making sure that whatever you build whatever you design um that makes use of personalization delivers enough value that the user is willing it's a principle of fair exchange effectively it's like i'm gonna do these things for you but in order to do that i i need this from you yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and and every single time a user is presented with a field in a form or whatever it is there is a for some users it's you know they're a bit more free and loose with their i accept the terms and conditions <laughs> um, other users you know exercise a bit more scrutiny over that uh-huh. stuff um, but the trend is definitely towards more scrutiny um and yeah you just need yeah, to earn your keep basically yeah, you need yeah. to earn your keep either as a mobile app you need to earn that real estate on the phone you know as as saving the data on a website you need to earn the fact that they say yeah i'm going to accept all cookies i'm not going to go in and say mm, i don't want this one i don't want that one i don't want that one uh, i think that's it isn't it because like you say there's that kind of conflict between don't profile me yeah uh, and but i want i only want really relevant yeah. tailored information yeah yeah and yeah. I think you've got you've hit the nail on the head, haven't you? If you're then going to capture that information, you almost have to play it back. So if I'm the one saying don't profile me, but I'm then seeing you've taken mm-hmm. a little bit of information and now you're only showing me the music I like, the the calls I'm interested in, whatever it may be, I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm getting yeah. the playback, I'm getting the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And 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 that is, you know, that's a that's a known thing, obviously. Um, and and people are organizations, I'd say you know, less so in the charity sector as 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 is almost always the case you know it's led by the commercial sector um and you know the big big shopping brands um big uh, travel companies you know the, these kinds of people <clears throat> big sort of multi-faceted companies like virgin when you've got your media and your insurance yeah. and your all the rest of it um they are leading the way with these kinds of things um and they're starting to put things in place that say um you know that you're seeing this because of of that so the, yeah, the, the context you, yeah so so that you can better understand because there's a there's this sort of this people have a tendency to freak out yeah. when you know you see something and you're like <laughs> how, how does like I, I was just talking about that you know with with fred you know why why is this suddenly appeared in my feed and actually um the answer is almost always not and i can't obviously we don't know for sure uh, it's not you're being recorded you know everywhere yeah, you go yeah. um it is actually there's a really good reason because your profile is linked to fred's profile because you spend time together and interact with one another and he's looked at this and he's just had a conversation with you about that and so now it's appearing on your feed so actually it's, a, it's there's a very good reason why it's appearing and it's very clever um but it's because it's clever and you don't know how it's done it that people have a knee-jerk reaction to say like i'm, be- I'm being spied on and i don't <coughs> like this yeah. And I'm going to turn off all of my tracking, you know, so, yeah. so, so it's that it's transparency, you know, we just need to make sure we're being transparent with users, and that when they give us something, they know what they are getting in return. Yeah, I no, I, I agree with that. It's interesting that, that the way you've described that as well. But I think it's also, and I think it is also a good, a good reflection of a maturity in the, in the yeah. sector or in digital where, yeah. you know, Five years ago, it was all about capture as much information as possible. Ten years ago, yeah. you know, just capture, capture, capture. It's like, well, yeah. okay, but 
you're going to use it, right? No, there's just mm. too much data. I can't use yeah. it all. You know. Yeah. So actually, if you follow that train of thought, yeah. the the digital um, platforms have to have to mm. start reducing the amount they capture to mm. be able to play it back, and that's a good thing, mm. right? And again, it is. You know, the GDPR principle around. You yeah, know, I was going. To say, I was going back a while, but GDPR was yeah. was obviously the the beginning of this. I mean, not quite the beginning, but it certainly put a spotlight on it. Say, so actually, kind of crystallized. You it, must it? only take and store the information that you are going to use and the user must be aware of the express purpose for which you are using it and it and explicitly say i'm good that's fine um so it really really shone a spotlight on it um which is which is great because you know i'm i'm a firm firm believer in you know everyone's personal data being being their own um and what was happening before that and i mean let's face it it still happens <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we still yeah, find yeah. like how what, how have i ended up on this certainly i think the start of the pandemic everyone found out just how many companies still had their data because everyone <laughs> yeah. sent out you know the, the the ubiquitous you know pandemic you know can we help you with anything email and yeah. it was like i've i've how <laughs> you know who are you how have you got my data um yeah. so it still happens um but it's much much better um yeah. uh, than it ever used to be um, yeah yeah fantastic Fantastic. Um, and actually, sorry, just, yeah, just rounding out on the, the trend thing. Mm. It's actually a really encouraging answer you've given, which is that UX is still the the the, the, the foundation piece, actually, because yeah. it's so tempting, isn't it? Or so, probably so scary, I think, for a lot of our clients to think you've got to keep chasing the next trend, the next trend, the next trend. What you're actually saying is that the when people are talking about user-centered design, design thinking, et cetera, their yeah. aspects of it, their you know, new ways of approaching it, but ultimately yeah. it's all about UX, which means yeah. continue to invest in that yeah, because it's yeah. not going away. It's going to underpin is, what you want to do. And you, you get the right technology partner and, and they will do the heavy lifting in terms of, oh, you know, I've heard all this stuff about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And what about, yeah, you know, what about yeah. the blockchain? And what about this? And it's like, well, actually it's only relevant if it's relevant for your users because you know it doesn't you don't jump on a sort of a gimmicky bandwagon and say you know great news when you know we're doing nfts now or we only expect you know if yeah you know if a if a if a building society whose demographic was mostly you know sort of older generation you wouldn't expect them to suddenly only start accepting deposits in you know bitcoin and ethereum it doesn't you know because (coughs) you need to do what's best for your users so that that is the foundation of it and it might be that actually you decide um like some charities have um most notably i think it's i think save the children that they are going to accept um donations in cryptocurrency i think it's bitcoin um and ethereum Um, and they are they're doing something with nfts as well so non-fungible tokens so they are um so donations of artwork and auctions of artwork um so they are you know dipping their toes into that area um tentatively because it's a volatile space to be to be putting your feet in um particularly at the moment but they are saying okay well you know some of our users yeah this will this will resonate with them um and and actually this is this is something that we can do that will engage with them um relatively low risk that can that can deliver some benefit um so yeah Yeah. it's it's all about understanding your users yeah absolutely there you go there's a nutshell for you it is about that isn't it um yeah and actually being prepared to demonstrate that you are to showcase that you are um mm. but yeah hey listen it's been fantastic talking to you today really yes, enjoyed it yeah and you um thanks for, for giving up your time to to come on the podcast today most welcome um we could i could happily carry on for another hour but i, I appreciate <laughs> we've all got no, things to uh, do but. it's been really interesting to chat and it, it it's rare that because obviously we are you know we're an agency we're busy you know fortunate enough to be very busy at the moment um so lots on 
and it's nice to sit down and have a chat <laughs> you know about something that isn't isn't a project and it isn't going live next week or you know whatever yeah, it yeah. um it's it's nice to just have a chat about general stuff going on um and share some ideas so yeah it's been good Brilliant. yeah thank you we'll do it again and uh yeah maybe yeah. next time we do it for real over a coffee or something yeah that'd be light i'd like that yeah cool fantastic thanks a lot Ed. Uh, all right all no right. problem see you now. take care bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. So we really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really interesting to hear Ed's insights and experience, especially around how brand experiences are digital experiences and how user-centric design continues to be that driving force that pushes the sector forwards. So if you also enjoyed this episode, do be sure to leave us a review and even better still, subscribe to our podcast so you will get notified of the latest episodes. Don't forget, as always, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching HeartSquare, where you'll find loads more content on the themes of leadership, digital, culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.